0: Genesis chapter 22, I know it's been, 22. yep, 22, it's been a couple of weeks since we've uh, been in Genesis, but why don't you kind of buckle in for a wild ride, because we'll be going pretty nonstop. Come to one of the more familiar passages in the book of Genesis, Genesis 22, So I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it. I'll read the passage for us, and then I will pray, and we'll we'll talk about what the Lord would have for us to consider tonight. Genesis 22, beginning in verse one, says this: After these things, God tested Abraham, and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went up... <clears throat> excuse me. So, they both of, so the both of them went together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father... And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's pray. Father, I pray that when we come to your word, that we would humble ourselves knowing lord that there are things in your word that at times surprise us and startle us but father i pray that by your spirit you give us insight to see that you are desiring to teach us about who you are and how we should respond to you so lord give us faith to believe that your word is true i'm praise in jesus name amen i mentioned that this passage is a well-known passage but i think it's a, it's a pretty difficult passage for modern readers You know, for some reason, growing up in church and hearing Sunday school stories, um, you kind of just hear the story, you're like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, Abraham, yeah, about to kill his kid, no big deal. And God comes and saves the day. But imagine reading this for the first time, having no context to the Bible or church. And you hear about a God who tells someone to sacrifice their son child sacrifice. Pretty um, barbaric, right? as modern people, um, you know. I'll, I'll show my theological and political bias, though. I we live in a country in which people sacrifice their children all the time. Um, so, in one sense, I think uh, we have this initial reaction that it's barbaric. But uh, I don't. I still see it practiced to this day. Child sacrifice. And I I just want to comment on when we come to parts in Scripture where it just seems so different and so hard, you know, some of the conquests where the Israelites were taking in the land of Canaan, I think it's really important to remember the story of the Bible. When we rip passages out of their context, it's hard to understand uh, why God would allow such a thing to happen. But when you understand the storyline of the Bible... You can begin to see how God is gracious and kind and merciful and loves doing the right thing. And, and part of the context of our story, if, if you have a good memory, you, you would know that we kind of skipped over a few passages. Because um, last time we talked about Abram, his name was still Abram, and he didn't have a son yet. And I know if, you, if you're a good student of the Bible, you know this whole story about Abram and his nephew Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And as much as I love to talk about some of the stories, we don't really have the time. But if you notice for a second, in verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, After these things, after these things. So kind of what happened is we last left off. God made a covenant with Abram. And God walked through the middle of these dead animals to signify that God is going to fulfill this covenant to Abram. And if Abram dropped the ball, God would take the punishment. And we kind of saw it as a, a foreshadow to, to Jesus taking the punishment for our sins. But, but what was the promise? That through Abraham's seed, God was going to make a great nation, that they're going to have a land, that through this nation, God was going to bless all the nations of the earth. Now, um, Abraham loses faith for a second. And he has an affair with uh, his hand servant, Hagar, and this guy named Ishmael comes, and uh, all of that weirdness. And we talked about the pride and, and how we deal with sin and all that good stuff. But a few things have happened in the story of Abram that I haven't really talked about. Twice in the book of Genesis, Abraham lies to Pharaoh about his wife actually being his sister, I mentioned already the, the affair that Abraham had. I also mentioned, I didn't mention, that when God told Abraham to go, he actually waited till his dad died before he left. And he also has this infatuation of protecting his nephew because for, for Abraham, family meant something. And so the, the context that I'm really giving here is that Abraham has really lived kind of a, a, a nice life. The Lord has provided for him. And it seems that Abraham has been a little slow to actually faithfully obey. And so we get this verse, in verse one it says this, after these things God tested Abraham. So they finally have their son, Isaac. Imagine having a baby at at the ripe old age of 100 years. Like I'm almost 30 and I have hardly energy for my kids I can't imagine trying to have energy to raise a kid at the age of 100 but for them that was a big deal Isaac brought a lot of laughter to their life and it brought them joy right and so Isaac it's probably been 10 15 years Isaac is a a, probably a young teenager and we get this this little narrative of God wanting to test the faith of Abraham and here's what I just want to say tonight of what I want to kind of think about. When it comes to our faith, the faith we profess to have in Christ, the faith that we believe that God is the creator of all things seen and unseen, the faith we know that God loves us, let I me mean, just say something. I our faith a lot of times wavers between weak and strong. Our faith sometimes is, is muddled with different beliefs and, and and false views of who God is and, and and low views of who we are as people and and what happens a lot of times is that our faith needs to be strengthened it needs to be refined and what's so beautiful about faith is that it's not necessarily the quality or the intensity of your faith that saves you it's what you believe in as Christians we always talk about, It's the object of your faith that matters the most. It's not as as how much you believe or the intensity of how you believe. It's what you believe in. And we believe in Christ, who is a perfect savior. But let me give you maybe the best illustration I can to kind of, I think I've used it before, but I'll say it again. But imagine for a second, Noah and Andrew hop on an airplane and they're headed to Connecticut. Right? Other side of the country. I don't know what's in Connecticut, but they're going there. And Andrew gets on the plane. He's got his Beats headphones in. He throws a deuce at the stewardess like, what's up, you know? Gets in the plane, throws back the seat, falls asleep, has no concern at all. Just fully trusts that he's going to get on that plane, and in about five, six hours' time, he's going to land in Connecticut. Noah gets on and immediately looks in the cockpit. Starts looking and making sure how old this plane is begins to ask the stewardess a lot of questions. How old is this plan? How much fuel do you have? What's your policy with, when it comes to broken uh, lights? And and, 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 and you know, like during like, the presentation where the stewardess like goes through all the stuff and no one ever actually pays attention to it, he's like hanging on to it word for word. He's like gripping onto the seats. As a matter of fact, they're about to push off and, and he stands up. He's like, I'm going to get off this plan. I, I can't do this. But he kind of talks himself back into it. And the whole flight, like, the slightest bit of turbulence. He's like, I'm going to die right now. This is the, I'm going to die. Just just stressed and full of anxiety. Is this true? Okay, Silverwood, yeah. Oh, at Silverwood. Okay, is that a theme park? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago, we were on an airplane with my kids, and the turbulence was really bad. And we just got back from Disneyland, and my kids literally had their hands up. And they thought they were on a ride. I remember Anna was like, Woo! <laughs> if only you knew, you're in the middle of a. I don't know. I, we thought that was the funniest thing. They all just, yeah, run another ride, man. Oh. Whoa, water landing! So here's the thing: plane takes off, lands in Connecticut, gets to the gate. One person. Believed completely. No concerns. Trusted. One person. Doubted. Concerned. Weak faith. They They both arrived safely because they both got on the plane. Same thing is with our faith in Christ. It is not about how much you believe. It's that you believe in Christ. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you to get on the airplane and be stressed and anxious the whole way. God wants our faith to be strong. He doesn't want our faith to be weak. He wants us to obey. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to know the peace that there is in Christ. And so, God has to do things to strengthen our faith, which is one of the reasons why, guys, going to be honest, that you guys come to youth group. I'm sure part of it is for the community, but I hope it's also that I know that I need my strength, my faith to be strengthened, that I need to remind myself again and again and again that I need Christ. And so really, this passage, which is hard for us sometimes, modern readers to read, is all about our faith. And so, what I want to do is I want to walk through this very familiar story and give three basic principles we learn about our faith in Christ. Our faith in Christ. And the first point is this: that our faith needs to be tested in order to grow. Our faith needs to be tested. In order to grow. Again, I think it's so helpful that the first thing we read about here in verse 1 is that God tested Abraham. If we didn't have that verse, what would our quick conclusions be about God reading this passage? So we know right off the bat that God isn't actually wanting him to kill Isaac. We know this is a test of faith. Now, that's kind of an interesting thing, right? Typically, when you um, grow up, maybe for most of you in a few years, Right? We'll, we'll take Blake and Kim as a good example, right? You uh, start liking someone, and maybe you uh, you fall into like with that person, and that leads to falling in love, right? And, and that commitment begins to happen, and you grow in your relationship, and you begin to say things like, I love you, <laughs> and Gross. And uh, if, if, uh, if a star fell every time I thought of you, the sky would soon be empty, right? Um, but something, uh, something that happens, I, I wanted to say sh- in all relationships, but something that definitely my wife and I have done is we'll say something like, I love you. I love you too. And then typically it's my wife. She'll be like, why? Why do you love me? I and, and, I, and I just say, like, babe, I love you because I love you. But, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> what do you love about me, right? <laughs> and, so, and so here's the thing. I have told my wife for over 10 years now, multiple times a day that I love her. I, we say that word, we say it a lot. Love you, love you. I call her babe. Like, babe, will love you, right? But there's still times... Or what, what is she? What is, what's like the motive behind really asking someone? They want confirmation. They're, they're seeking that, like, I, I know you've told me this a million times, but I want you to tell me again one more time. Amy, I, I love you because, and I, and I list off all these superlatives, right? And in, in a way, like, I think we all at times desire, right? When you are dating someone or engaged, you know they they call it um, uh, DTR. You to find the relationship a little bit. So maybe in, co- in college, I was joked about that. You go to coffee with some person two times and you're going on long walks, but like, we haven't really called it anything. We need to like define what's happening here, define the relationship a little bit. And, and in that sense, like, it's kind of interesting with God who's testing Abraham. Is God like us where he's kind of like needy? Like, hey, do, do you really love me? Is is God sitting there worrying how much we actually care and actually how much we love him? Because at the very end of this passage, I actually didn't read it. Look at verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars in heaven as a sand that is on the seashore. That God is saying, hey, you passed the test. You've confirmed that you really love me, and since you obeyed me, I'm going to bless you now. But let me be clear. When it comes to God testing our faith, it isn't like you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend wanting to define their relationship and really see how much they love and are invested. This is God actually trying to lead our faith Deeper. Because here's the challenge. It is really easy to profess faith with our mouth. It is much harder to demonstrate faith with obedience. And so, guys, let's be be clear. God loves you. He really does. But he knows that your faith at times is weak. He knows, guys, listen. He knows at times when you're in small group, when you're talking to other Christians, you talk a big game, but sometimes you have some pretty significant doubts. He knows that you haven't prayed or have had any desire to read the Bible in three weeks or three months. He knows that our faith is weak. And so by him testing our faith isn't for him to have some information to know where you stand with him. It is actually to begin to draw you in to deeper intimacy and peace. You see, God has a history of all throughout the Bible, of drawing people in different ways. And typically, here's the way he tests us. By throwing us right in the middle of a valley. And when I mean by valley, a hardship, a trial, a storm. God wants us to have opportunities for our faith to grow. But let me tell you, in order to have the type of faith that can survive something like this, a huge trial in your life. You have to have trials and hardships. The only way to learn to have faith in the middle of hardship is to go through a trial where you have to have your faith strengthened. And so guys, I just want you to tell you, being a Christian is all about having a faith in Christ that it's continually leaning into obedience and repenting from our sins and trusting in the good news, but that faith, like I mentioned, is weak. We're just like the man who Jesus ministered to. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so what God needs to do at times is he needs to put us in tough situations, places where we don't want to go, in order for our faith to grow. Um... I, it's just not hard to think back in times of my life where, and I'm not saying that we all all of our experiences are the same, but there's been some really tough seasons of my life, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of the first things that usually comes to my heart is why me. It seems so cliche to say it, right? It seems so stereotypical, but in my mind of like I've done the right things. I've worked hard. I've, I've, you know, haven't done anything too crazy. My mind runs towards the typical way of viewing God that if I do these good things, I should get good things out. And I just want to warn you that if you are someone who's walking with Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with God, you will have your faith tested because it's the only way to grow it. It's the only way to grow it. But the second thing we learn about faith is that faith shows itself in obedience. Guys, I have probably had this point in a sermon once a month, every single month I've been a youth pastor. Because it is so important to know. Right? Sometimes as, as Christians, and I'll even admit as a pastor, we are lousy at continuing to tell people that faith in Christ is always demonstrated by a life of repentance, a life of obedience. If you have no desire to follow Jesus and his commands, I have no confidence that you actually have faith in Christ. But think about for a second, think of the promised son, Think of what Isaac represents. Isaac represents the future of God's promises to be fulfilled. God literally took a covenant with Abraham and said, if this does not happen, may this happen to me. God said, I will take the punishment for it. Abraham is thinking about this. And what is God asking him to do? Sacrifice your son. What's interesting about the Bible is we don't actually get the whole story. We only get the part of what the author wants us to know about the point he's making. But I would have to assume, this is a conjecture, that Abraham is like, because don't, we don't know how God's speaking to him, if it's a vision, he's hearing a voice, stars in the sky, you know, whatever have you. I, I would have to imagine that Abraham is like, yo, whoa, 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 hold up. I object, man. Are you kidding me? All this promise for years and years and years, and now like, you just want me to, to sacrifice him? I, I, that that would be my conjecture, but, but look what he does. Right? So verse 2, take your son. Look at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took his two young men and his son Isaac. No hesitancy. You see, I, I just have to imagine Abraham has all of... These issues swirling through his brain. You know, in our day and age, if we hear about this, we're like, how barbaric. In ancient Near East culture, the Canaanites, the pagans, this was common. Abraham, he was accustomed to to hearing about this and probably even seeing it. But he he hears that this God who's reaching out to him is different. And he's beginning to think, how can this be? Again, as readers, we know more than Abraham does. Abraham does not have this full, detailed theology of God like we do because we have the Bible. Abraham is going off just the little bits of moments he's had with God. But yet he obeys. He obeys when it makes absolutely no sense at all. So interesting, when you scroll down a little bit, in verse 9, When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. There's something that's so fascinating to me about that is that even though the Lord stopped him from physically killing his son, emotionally, he did the deed. He killed his son. I'm about to kill my son. And um, I think it's Hebrews 12 that says, Abraham reasoned that the Lord would raise Isaac from the dead. You see, Abraham had such faith to know even though this seems crazy, and guys, like, let me just tell you, like, I, I, I hate when people say this, like, if only you knew what it was like to be a parent, but I will say here, if you know what it's like to hold your own son or daughter, like, man, like, my kid has like a small little alley, and to see them cry and in pain. I just die inside. I hate seeing my children in pain. Like um, <laughs> Shots are the worst thing in the world, man. Giving your kids shots. like, And out of love for my wife, because we have four kids, man, straight up like when we did flu shots back in the fall, I sat with all four of those kids and had to hold them down while I got their shots. And all four of them wailed. Kind of babies, right? I mean, they, they are some of them were babies, but like he just like screamed, and it was just like far worse pain for me than for my children watching them go in pain, right? And 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 look at the resolve of Abraham. He reasoned to think that if I'm going to kill Isaac, the Lord's going to resurrect him. That was how much. Abraham believed and trusted that God was actually good. He obeyed. He obeyed. Can I just tell you something? Whether we're ignorant or we're not, every time we do not obey God, it's because we are suspicious that God's command for your life isn't for your good. How could something like this be for Abraham's good? He has no idea, but what does he do? He obeys. And I'm sure right now, between you and God, only you and God can know this, there are things that he's calling you to do. He's calling you to live into holiness. He's calling you to maybe reach out to a certain friend and show your faith. He's, he's maybe calling you to, to do a number of things. But here's what faith always looks like. Obedience and Repentance. It is really easy to come to a church, to be among Christians, to say the right things. But what is God looking for? A faith that rises early in the morning and goes and obeys. The third thing is this. The third thing about faith is that faith trusts that the Lord will provide. The faith faith trusts the Lord will provide. So imagine if you're Isaac for a second kind of like it's interesting there's a lot of like um conjecture uh, about the intimacy that he had with his father did you notice um what verse was it uh um if you look in verse six and abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid in isaac his son so he kind of having isaac carry the wood up the mountain isaac's like yeah i'll help you dad carry the wood and he took his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they both went up them together. So going up the mountain. And Isaac said to his father, my father. And Abraham said, here I am, my son. See, they're, they're trying to make this point that the intimacy that Isaac had with his father. So, so not for a second did Isaac think, oh, I'm probably going to get sacrificed today he trusts his father so much it's like hey dad like going up here like like there is not a thought in the world that would make him think that his dad would do anything to harm his well-being and and and, and again it's conjecture a little bit but some people think that Abraham is so old and Isaac is like a teenager like if a 13-year-old versus a 100-year-old I'm pretty sure the 13-year-old can outpower a 100-year-old man Maybe, unless he, like, did a trick on him, I don't know, or poisoned him, or I don't know, something. Gotcha, something like that. There's even a sense in which we can even maybe think that Isaac trusted that the Lord provide. But here's here's what it is, here's what it is, verse 14. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. See, in the Old Testament, we get a lot of names for God. I mentioned before in the story of Hagar that the name for God is El Roy, the God who sees. But this is my favorite name for God. It's called Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I remember being in seminary and being married and about to have kids and going to a very expensive seminary and not having a lot of money. That typically raises the stress level in your life, right? Um, Pregnant wife, not one kid but two, and not having a lot. And I remember just thinking, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. And unfortunately, may I just say, that name for God kind of gets taken out of context for the example I just gave. Right? Maybe uh, trying to study really hard to get a good scholarship or to get to a good school, and you're doing your best, and you you say to yourself, "Ah, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will, will provide. Maybe it is a, a lack of insufficient funds or whatever like that, and you kind of say to yourself, the Lord will provide. He will. But what are we saying that he's going to provide? Let me just tell you something. Just maybe a note against prosperity thinking. The Lord has promised us all the blessings of Christ. The Lord has promised us more than we would ever deserve, more than we would ever need. The Lord has never promised you good circumstances, more money, easy relationships. The Lord has promised you his love and his grace and his covenant to you. That does not mean we get to hijack the name of God to mean that God can just become my cosmic vending machine and he's going to provide anything I want. Because here is by far the best part of this story. Are you ready for it? I mean, it's it's so hard to miss, right? But do you see all the imagery? Isaac is carrying wood up a mountain to be sacrificed. A father who is being asked to sacrifice his one and only son. Right? A ram who is caught and is provided for so that the son didn't have to die. This is a story of how God provides for his people. Faith, trust, the Lord provides. And ultimately, what do we know as Christians? That it was Jesus who is the true Isaac who carried up a cross up a mountain and who would die on the cross. And it was the father who not only almost gave up his one and only son, but who did give up his one and only son in order that we, his sons and daughters, wouldn't have to take the punishment of our sin. You see, faith always trusts that since God provided Christ, since God has redeemed us and, and has given the opportunity for our sins to be forgiven, we know that if God has provided that for us, how much more will he provide in the small things? How much will God care about all of your life if he's willing to send his one and only son for you? You see, the true heart of, of the Christian faith is always centered right on the heart of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus. Because what a surprise does Abraham get when he finally hears that voice and says, don't do it. And what a surprise to all the followers of Jesus when three days later, he rose from the dead. So guys, listen. Our faith, at times, like I said, it wavers. It needs to be strengthened. So God will send in tests. Our faith, at times needs to have obedience. I mean, not, even not, not, I don't mean to say at times, we need to care about obedience, but, but more than anything that I could say, when our faith is weak, when we're tempted not to obey, here's what we must always remember, Jehovah Jireh, the God who literally gave up himself for you in order that you can be brought in. Which is why, guys, every time we come to youth group, We want to talk about Jesus and what he's done for you. And so I pray that when you look at this story, you see love. You see the story of Jesus. I mean, I I just can't imagine how terrifying it was for Isaac, but how much terrifying it was for Christ, who gave it all up so that we could be close to the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for... Uh, your word, and pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith. Help us to remember Christ in the gospel. Help us to know that in Christ, um, all of the punishment of our sin, all of the wrath that you had towards us as sinners is gone, that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So, Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen the faith of these high school students. I pray, Lord, that they would, Monday morning, wake up, be ready and eager to obey out of faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you.